When you need your work truck to work as hard as you do, trust Delphi Technologies to deliver the parts built for the toughest work environments. From construction sites to long distance hauling, go with the aftermarket supplier known for its 100 plus years of OE heritage and expertise. Go to DelphiAftermarket.com today. Andrew Ross, I'm hosting your podcast. Uh, it's my great pleasure today to have with me as a guest, one of, if not at some time or another, the best technician in Canada. Uh, now, Jeff Taylor, because uh, many uh, who've been in this industry for a while will remember from his time at Eccles Auto in Dundas, uh, but he has more than his fair share of uh, trophies from technician competitions and whatnot. Uh, so he's recently turned his more his attention to creating uh, courses to help get others uh, up to speed on a variety of topics. And we wanted to specifically talk about EV training and how that fits into training plans for technicians and shops and uh, what they should focus on and, and uh, um, anything else that, uh, you know, they should be aware of when they're when they're making these decisions. Welcome to the podcast, Jeff. Hello. Thank you. Thank you for having me. EVs, uh, electric vehicles, have really kind of dominated the headlines in the automotive space for a little while and increasingly in the aftermarket. Um, but there's not a whole lot of them out there from an aftermarket standpoint. So, you know, uh, where, 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 should, where should it fall? Where should that category fall, in, you know, for shops and technicians to kind of make it make sense for, for them? And where, where should they focus their attention on? I think you'd be surprised. Uh, I think the latest numbers was somewhere around 6% of new car sales last year were EV or, or hybrid. So whether it's plug-in hybrid, full hybrid, or electric, like full electric vehicles, they're more common than you'd think. Um, the, biggest, the biggest misconception is that because it's an electric vehicle or even a hybrid, now hybrids have been around for a while, so it's a little different, but the EVs especially, a lot of people that own them, the drivers, are under the impression that they don't even need any maintenance. And that's not true. They still have brakes that work. They still have filters. They still have cooling systems. Uh, there's still a lot of, of maintenance items that these vehicles need. Now, it doesn't need to be performed as often, but a lot of techs will be right out of the loop if I told you that a Tesla, for instance, a fully electric vehicle, actually has a service interval for changing the desiccant bag in the receiver dryer for the air conditioning system. So a service that most techs aren't aware of. Some of the Tesla models want that done every two years. So they want that, that uh, air conditioning system evacuated, recharged, have the uh, desiccant bag changed, and then have it put back into service. So that, for instance, is something that most techs, I don't believe, are aware of, and a lot of the shop owners aren't aware of, unless they're right on top of it. The problem with Tesla owners is Tesla owners are right on top of their vehicles. They've got their phone. They know exactly what that vehicle needs and when, and oftentimes they're going back to Tesla. But... I think that's the biggest misconception is that they don't require service. They require far less interval service, but they still require service. Sure. Like I recall, uh, you know, in, uh, 
in Toronto at, at a shopping mall called Yorkdale, where there's a Tesla store and has been uh, possibly the first one in, in Canada. It's still there. Um, and they had a uh, initially, this is years ago, of course, when they when they launched the Model S and they had one with the with the body off. And I remember going in there, this is obviously years ago and looking at it and going other than, you know, the big electric motor, the traction motor. Uh, shocks suspension control arms brakes all look pretty much like a car you know <laughs> like and, and that's the thing they still are cars now one of the things that happens with a lot of hybrids especially is they don't get driven as often as a gasoline vehicle i mean if i have to go to the office it's it's 300 and some kilometers round trip so it's not really feasible for me at this time to have a fully electric vehicle for that a hybrid's no problem but to go all the way there, I don't have enough time to get it recharged to get it all the way back. So that's one of the things. But if you're just driving around in town, you're still stopping and turning the wheels. It's not regenerating as much as it would be on the highway. So the brakes are still being used. And again, I'll use Tesla, for instance. Tesla wants their brakes serviced every year when you live in, in the climate that we live in here, where you've got salt and temperature change. They want those brakes taken apart and serviced. Um, Anybody that's old enough to remember the W-body GMs, some of the calipers on the original Teslas had that W-body GM rear caliper. We all know how those sliders seized up. It's going to happen, even with all of the improvements that we've had in lubricants and all of that stuff. You know, But the abutment pads are all still going to corrode, so we need to make sure that we do that. They still have cabin air filters. They all still have uh, cooling systems that have a required maintenance of service. So one of the misconceptions is that when you look at a cooling system for a, a hybrid or a plug-in hybrid or an EV is that the coolant doesn't get dirty because it doesn't have that temperature change, I guess, all of the dielectric materials, but it still has a coolant system. If you look at the brand new Hyundai Ioniq, it has two distinct cooling systems, one for the, the high voltage electronics, one for the battery pack. They're two separate cooling systems, but they're two colors now. So to separate, and again, they have a a specification as to when they want service. So I think it's a misnomer. A lot of the customers are under the impression that it has to go back to the dealer or in the worst case that it doesn't need service. You just plug it in in your garage. Right, right. Yeah, I guess, you know, and this is certainly even for me, uh, uh, you know, not as familiar with the specifics of, you know, the service intervals you mentioned at the outset, uh, you know, having to, to change that desiccant bag in the AC system. Uh, you know, every every two years, I mean, two, every two years for AC system service is a is a pretty high frequency for AC system service. You, know? you have to remember now. So I, I have to be specific on that. That's certain models. Uh, yeah. Other models on the Teslas can go up to five years, but still it's it's a required service in their service uh, maintenance service that they want. And we can get Tesla information now for free. And I'm not just, I'm not touting Tesla. I don't work for Tesla or anything like that. I'm not endorsing Tesla. Um, but one of the things that they did was they finally opened up their service information to technicians and shop owners. We can go in. It's not the full factory, but you can go in and see the maintenance for it. You can see all of that. And the other thing that I point out about uh, all of the vehicles that are out there right now, so whether it's a plug-in hybrid or a hybrid or electric, they still have a low voltage system. They still have 99% of them, a 12-volt system, a low-voltage system. And if that low-voltage system fails, the vehicle's dead in the water. It doesn't move. Um, they're still using uh, traditional lead-acid batteries. A lot of them have gone to AGM batteries. Now, I, I'm going to talk Tesla again. On their latest models from last year, so a year out now, 
they're using a low voltage system that's somewhere around 15.5 volts and they've gone to a new lithium ion, very dedicated low voltage system, still has a low voltage system. So all of those things we still have to take care of. And these vehicles aren't new. They've been around for a while. So, yeah. So again, so from, I mean, this is a huge awareness, uh, uh, kind of message here, uh, you know, for for techs and shop owners, and and it sounds so. So how do they how do they up their uh, kind of EV uh, IQ? I guess. I think if you're a tech, the very first thing that I would do, if you if you're just completely green and you want to start off, get to a car show, okay, and look at a new electric vehicle. Just have a look at them open the frunk, you're not going to see anything, which is completely intimidating. So a lot of, a lot of techs will be intimidated by that. Um, get under there and look at what's there. As you already said earlier, it still has the same brakes, it has the same suspension, it has electric power string, all of the stuff that we've had, it still has ABS. It still has a hydraulic brake uh, fluid system that's gonna need to be serviced. You need to just start embracing the technology and take as much training as you can but don't dive into the motor generator diagnostics right off the bat, unless you're you know, very familiar with it. Start off slowly, look at the maintenance, just concentrate on maintenance of what these vehicles need. On maybe take a couple of courses or read about how the, the low voltage system functions and what it does um, before you dive into it. So I like to separate it into high voltage system and low voltage system. Most shops are, are timid about going into the high voltage system because you know, there's there's a potential to, to do some serious harm or even death if you're not careful. I'm unaware of anybody that's been injured or, or had any, any catastrophic events like that. But if you don't want to get into that, there's an enormous amount of low voltage stuff. So just what we have now. So, I mean, I've got a 2018 pickup truck. It's the same system. It's a low voltage system. It's working at 12 and a half. The difference with an electric vehicle, of course, it doesn't have an alternator. Now it's using a, an inverter. Um, to to step down that voltage and put it out to it in, an, in a DC to AC generator. So, I mean, there's that kind of stuff. But if you're just doing surface certain maintenance, you don't need to worry about that high voltage. So you don't need the special gloves. You don't need to have the cones or, or be prepared in any way. You don't need any special meters because you're just working on the low voltage. So when I say that, air conditioning service, cabin air filters, brake services, brake fluid flushes, coolant services, all of those can be functioned. But the best way, if you want to familiarize yourself with something that's that's free to look at, go and look at the Tesla website. Spend an hour or four and go through all of the models and just see what's available and how the system's put together. Um, otherwise, you know, there's lots and lots of good training out there. Most, the problem that I see is that most techs dive into the most serious parts right away. Okay, so you get into motor generator. That's not where the average shop's going to be. The average shop isn't set up or capable of changing a battery. The battery on, on these vehicles are very heavy. They're in excess of a thousand kilograms. So you gotta have special equipment. You gotta have all kinds of stuff. Most shops aren't going to get into that yet, okay? But I, I, I'm dating myself, but I remember when we bought our first scan tool because we went from carburetors to feedback carburetors and they told us in trade school, and I had a trade school teacher, and, and I, I can quote him for this. He said, don't worry about front-wheel drive. It's just a fad. Okay? And, and he said that. So, I mean, I, I don't see where this is going full term right now because of the way the economy is shifting and, and things are moving around. Electric vehicles, 
I just a personal thing. I think they ha are going to have a niche, but I'm not sure that that's the full blown. So I would say to to a shop owner or to a tech before you jump into this full on, like you know, put on the hip waders and get right into it. Dive into the smaller stuff first and get familiar with the vehicles. And like I say, low voltage system and just the maintenance stuff. Some of the diagnostics, um, all of these, all of the electric vehicles are going to go to an electric air conditioning compressor, which we've seen. But familiarize yourself with that. So if you're going to be working on an electric air conditioning compressor, they're all high voltage now. So you're going to need some safety equipment and some training. So just spend some time and look at that. But take the training. And if you're new to it, if you're green, start off with the basic stuff first and get familiar with it. Sure. I mean, maybe it's, uh, you know, one of the failings of mine, but when, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, from a perspective, I look at it and I'm like, yeah, as you say, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, curious techs that have active minds, they want to really dig in, you know, like, oh, I want to, what's a, you know, I'm like the top uh, diagnostic guy. So I want to really know, but, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm forced to kind of fall back on on the, the fact, too, that, you know, if, if you're not doing uh, kind of R&R, &R, engine R&Rs now, uh, you know, why, why, why would you be thinking of doing, you know, motor R&Rs, uh, you know, or, or battery R&Rs just yet? I mean, it's, it's not something that's very common. It's, it's probably going to be a specialty in the future. Um, right. And, 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 you know, most shops aren't, a lot of shops, I don't know about most, but most, I think most, uh, you know, have gone away from rebuilding engines, you know, full on. Uh, I, and you know what, I, I've equated to the rebuilding of an, an engine, and I, I kind of put it this way, today's engines are disposable. So think of this, when you take a piece of tinfoil and you take it off that roll and it looks perfect, crumple it up and then try and make it look like it came off the roll. It can't be done. And that's, that's the way a lot of just about every system is now. So as a tech, you're, you're diagnosing either the box, the communications to the box, or the wiring to the box. And you're going to come down to those basic three steps. And I've, I've simplified that down to the, to the e easiest degree. But you're going to have to figure out why that box is bad. And then you're not going to take the box apart. Like for years, we could take certain things apart and we could play with them inside. Those days are gone. So you're going to have to diagnose that box and there is going to be some special equipment that's going to be needed. And again, that's, that's one of the spots that the shop owner or the tech's going to have to have to make a commitment. One of them is like a mega ohm meter. So it's a very specialized meter that, that you need to test a lot of these high voltage components. They're fairly expensive. And I, I will tell you with all of the supply crunch and problems that we had, they're not passed yet. You cannot buy a lot of this stuff yet. It's a, it'll show up on the screen but you're weeks or months away from it. So, I, I mean, it's like the Tesla software. If anybody has, has used Tesla toolbox software, don't try and install that on a Tuesday or on a Friday for a vehicle that you need to do. You want to install that on a Monday because you've got to set up two dedicated networks to a laptop. It's fairly complicated, plus have the special cables. Um, and I'm not making fun of Tesla in any way, shape or form. They, they do a great job, but if you're going to dive into Tesla, you need to have that. And it's, it's either a monthly subscription or a yearly subscription and it's expensive. So again, start off with baby steps and just get used to this and let's just see where this goes in the future. Right, right. That's probably the best advice I've heard in a long time when it comes to that is like the, you know, step-by-step -step baby steps and see where it goes. You know, I, I recently did a, a because you know there's obviously there's you know at six percent of sales it's something like 0.6 or 0.7 percent so not even a 
a little over a half a percent of the vehicles on the road right now. And it's highly localized. So if you're living in, you know, uh, I don't know, Drumheller, you might not have any electric vehicles of any kind whatsoever. But if you're in the Ottawa region, you know, I've looked at the postal code vehicles in operation. If you're around the Ottawa region, you know what? <laughs> For reasons that probably have a lot to do with public policy and, and where those folks work, uh, there's actually a pretty, you know, you'd be hard pressed to find one of those postal local postal codes if you have a shop there that doesn't have uh, some, you know, EVs in, in, uh, in operation in those areas. So you have to be really mindful of that. Uh, you know, obviously that's a, you know, something everybody has to do individually. And demographics plays a huge point that's that when I'm developing training for the company that I'm working for now, I have to take into consideration the East coast, Ontario, and then, you know, the West coast and then the prairies because everybody has different things. So, I mean, I can't just design a, a training course that incorporates Subaru, which is huge in this area in the East coast because uh, the F-150 owners and, and the Chevy pickup truck guys in the, in the Midwest, they'll, they'll freak on you. Like, no, we don't have Subarus here. We don't have BMWs. They do, but it's just, it comes to a demographic. And, you know, Dundas, where I live, is, uh, we've always called it a bubble um, because, I mean, we've got, what is there I can think of? Uh, Eccles has two charging stations. And then there's, I think there's four other public charging stations that they put into public parking lots here in town for EVs. Um you can go to certain parts of Hamilton where there's no such thing as EVs. And, you know, so it, it definitely is a demographic. I mean, on our court where we live now, we have two Teslas. So, and the best was the the woman that bought the Gullwing and she can't unload her kids uh, in the garage. She has to let everybody out outside and then pull it into the garage because it was something that wasn't considered when they bought it. So, you know, uh, absolutely. It is, it is definitely. You know, we have we have a hybrid in the family and uh you know it's it's wonderful for exactly the same kind of reasons that, that you mentioned uh, you know uh, uh it's it's uh, basically 95 percent of the driving around town can be on the short sort of uh under the 40 kilometer uh, range for the ev but the trip from uh, sudbury uh ontario where we're located to toronto which is a regular thing uh there simply isn't really a, a viable option or hadn't been, uh, I know the ranges are going up now to get between Toronto and, and, uh, and Sudbury when it's uh, minus 20 out and, uh, <laughs> you know. See, and, and when you mentioned that, Andrew, the, the drivability, like the driving range, that's one of the things that they have really struggled with. I mean, I've been dealing with some of the new F-150s um, and they're basically getting about 140 kilometers to a full charge. Uh, some of the Mach-E Mustangs, less than 100. Um, Ford decided not to go with a heat pump setup on their vehicles. So they're using a PTU heater to take the, and heat the interior. So you can decrease the, the effective driving range of that vehicle significantly, especially the colder it gets, because that, that PTU heater is, is just like an electric oven, and it is just taking battery energy to heat the compartment where the customer is sitting. So They've made strides on that. I mean, Hyundai's done huge strides with heat pumps. Tesla's got heat pumps. All of the new GM uh, vehicles that are coming out with the Ultimum chassis, they are all heat pump, heat pump equipped. And they're doing that for the reason that they want to get that extended range. One of the other things that they are, they're not telling the customer about is how much heavier these vehicles are. So that's one other thing. Before you commit to this, you, you, you know, to servicing these, you want to make sure that you've got a hoist that can take care of that. Uh, what is it? The new Hummer, I believe, is somewhere around, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I know the American weights, 
but it's somewhere around 5,000 kilograms. Or no, uh, yeah, five, yeah, like almost yeah. 11,000 pounds. Yeah. Super heavy. Yeah. And I know like, the U.S. I, I, insurance, I, I, I know US that, insurance that, company is getting after them. For sure. I mean, the weight, you know, obviously, and it, 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 I, you know, I don't know, I don't believe there's an equivalent uh, in in Canada, but I know there was a lot of chatter in the kind of metasphere uh, from folks who were out buying their Porsche uh, Taycans, Taycans, uh, as uh, commercial vehicles because they met the minimum weight, which was something yeah. like seventy-five. I forget. I don't know the weight, uh, the, the numbers, so they could get their tax break and treat it like as if it was a truck. Uh, right. Obviously, it's not a truck, uh, uh, you know, and, and so these are things that are obviously the tax uh, tax break in the U.S. society is not really relevant for us. But it just it, it highlighted the the fact that some of these vehicles are, are a lot heavier than you would think. And of course, then that brings in an, another whole thing into it. So is your hoist rated for that? And most hoists are most hoists are in that in that range. But I mean, the tires that you put on it, you can't just put on a set of regular tires on these vehicles. They've got to have specialized tires. They've got to have the right sidewall. They have different tire pressures. Uh, most of them have a noise barrier inside so that you don't get that ringing, humming noise that the tire makes when it flexes. So you just have to be aware of all of that when you're when you're servicing these. And you know, EV tires are a different beast again because they have to have that heavier weight rating on them. Sure. And they have, a, a you know, the, most of the EV tires I've seen coming out also have like kind of acoustical damping as well, because. Uh, yeah, they've got that special foam. Um, I have seen a couple where they're actually going away from rubber wheels. And you know what, they've kind of talked about that in my 40 years in the trade. I have a feeling that it's probably coming closer than we would think now. I think the, the compounds and some of the techniques are, are moving that way. But. Well, definitely a lot definitely... to think about when it comes to EV. So, uh, you know, I guess. It sounds like the the kind of the bottom line here is is there's a lot of service uh, opportunities with EVs and a lot of them don't really have uh, much to do with the fact that it's an EV. <laughs> you know? No, that and that's exactly it. They still have tie rod ends. They still have steering components. They still have brakes. And and if a lot of the techs are afraid of them because of the high voltage and the whole stigma of that, just don't get involved in the high voltage. Stay on the, what I call the low voltage side. And then just it's the same as the vehicle that, that the tech drove to work. Ah, great, great, great advice, Jeff. Thank you so much for being on the podcast with us. Thanks, everyone else, for joining us. Uh, now, Jeff's got a, uh, some uh, training that he's been involved with creating. Uh, we'll put a link uh, to it in the show notes on this. Uh, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you all next time. Remember, everyone, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of your customers, and everything will all work out. Have a great day. You're listening to the Great Canadian Aftermarket Podcast, brought to you by the publishers of Indie Garage and Jobber Nation. Connect with us online at indiegarage.ca and jobbernation.ca, a brand of chat integrated media. Pothole damage to a vehicle's chassis is always a concern, no matter the size or time of year. If the worst does happen, you can count on Delphi Technologies steering and suspension parts to get your customers back on the road again. Learn more at DelphiAftermarket.com.